Hey, Rockheads. This is Music to Code by Track 12. Check this out. Yeah, just what you need to get in the zone when you write code. And get this, we just added a site license. Download it once, share it with everybody in your office. Check it out at musictocodeby.net. .NET Rocks, episode 1281, with guest David Gatti. Recorded Friday, March 25th, 2016. Where it's at, two podcasters and two microphones. How you doing, Richard? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm I'm great, actually. Everything's going well for me, swimmingly. Awesome. We uh, I guess we had a good time at build. <laughs> okay, more time shifting problems. <laughs> I'm sure we had a good time at build. Oh, I know we had a good time at build. <laughs> I'm still hungover. No, I'm kidding. Of course we are. Uh, I, I, the only reason I know we had a good time at Build is I've read the police report. <laughs> David Gatti is here. It's going to be a great show talking about we're geeking out on Node.js, of course. And um, to that end, I found a pretty good uh, tool for Better Know Framework. Awesome. Roll the music. All right, buddy, what do you got? So this is new to me. I don't know if it's new to everybody else, but it was trending. So I thought I'd talk about it. And I don't even know how to pronounce it because it's one of them, right? So right. go to 1281.pwop.me, 1281, because that's the show number. Right. And this is AVA. I don't know if it's Ava or Ava. Maybe David knows. But it's the Futuristic Test Runner. This oh. is what they say. Check this out. Even though JavaScript is single-threaded, IO and Node.js can happen in parallel due to its async nature. Sure. Ava, or Ava, takes advantage of this and runs your tests concurrently, which is especially beneficial for IO-heavy tests. In addition, test files are run in parallel as separate processes, giving you even better performance and an isolated environment for each test file. Having tests run concurrently forces you to write atomic tests, meaning tests don't depend on a global state or the state of other tests, which is a great thing. That's cool. It seems like a no-brainer. And I, I can't wait to hear what David says about that, but we'll uh, we'll talk to him in a minute. Nice find. Yep. And that's at 1281.pwop.me. It's on GitHub. It's, a, it's one of those projects. All that open source stuff. Yep. Go ahead, Richard. Who's talking to us? So, you know, we haven't done a lot of Node shows, but I was going back through the catalog. And back in 2013, we did a show... Uh, show number 893 called mm -hmm. Serious Node with Scott Stanfield. Right. And we're going to do a little time traveling now because we jump back to some of these comments. Mm. And uh, here's a comment from Matt Johnson. You may recognize the name Matt Johnson. Because sure. while he made this comment three years ago, last winter, December 2015, he did a show with us. Right. Talking about date and time. But Matt said, fantastic show. Big plus one for mentioning Moment JS." This is an amazing little library that works equally well in the browser as it does in Node, which gets back to this whole idea of how, you know, JavaScript everywhere is cool. Yeah. It does a lot more than the features Scott touched on, such as parsing and formatting of specific formats or for a specific culture. And he's dealing with date time. Look, three years ago, I was talking about date time. We yeah. finally had him on the show to talk about it some more. Yeah. With the latest 2.1 release, there's also a companion library which fully supports time zones, not just offsets, but a fully accurate daylight savings time aware zones using industry standard IANA time zone databases. Yeah. 
A lot of folks just don't realize how screwed up the JavaScript date class is. Have I been saying this, Rich? This is what I'm saying. I'm actually dealing with this crap. I hate dates to begin with. Now you throw JavaScript at me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was, that's the lie that said, oh, I got to read this. I feel <laughs> I that, that pain. Like, oh, Carl's going to love this. Oh, I feel that pain. <laughs> Uh, left alone, there are all sorts of issues with parsing, formatting, and time zones. Moma.js offers developers some much-needed sanity. Yeah. It also pairs very nicely with the Nota Time library from John Skeet for your backend.net code. Nota Time! If you guys ever want to do a show focused on date and time, let me know. I'd be glad to help. No, I don't know. No, we're not going to do that. I don't, no, I don't think no. we'd ever consider no, anything like that you can't make a show about date and time that's crazy that's crazy talk who would do that i don't know that uh <laughs> matt <laughs> we just made fun of that show we did with you Twelve thirty. <laughs> sorry about that just get him and skeet on at the same time and that would that'd go off the rails that's that's a little bit more time zone than even I can handle, and I like time zones. That'd be like a Monty Python episode of Dot Net Rocks. That would, that's that would be. I'm only an hour late. <laughs> it's almost the right day. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, thank you so much for your comment. A Dot Net Rocks mug is on its way to you, and if you'd like a Dot Net Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at Dot Net Rocks dot com or via any of the social medias because we publish every show to Facebook and Google Plus, and if you comment there, we read it on the show. We'll send you a mug. Absolutely. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. We flavor our whiskey with him. And now let's bring on David Gatti. He started his career in IT as a sysadmin. He learned how to code in PHP out of boredom. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bored. I think I'll change my career. <laughs> and he made some simple internal tools to help him out while managing the company network. Then he became a blogger and wrote about mobile technologies when the iPhone didn't exist yet and PDAs didn't have cell phones in them. He also wrote the CMS for the site itself when WordPress was barely starting. Then he went to work as a web developer for a company that did simple Facebook games. After that, he ported a Windows mobile app to Android 2.3. Then he became a brand manager for a mobile game company, marketing director for another one, and at the same company, finally he transitioned to developer relations manager and worked for two companies with this title, a job that he fell in love with. But then, while looking for his next opportunity, he had a hard time finding the right company. Out of frustration, he created Simply, that's S-I-M-P-E dot L-I, so he could keep doing what he does best, development relations management done right. Welcome to the show, David. Hello, guys. How are you? Just great. Awesome. I hear you're uh, a fan of the show. You've been listening a long time. Yeah. And also, you, because of you, you change how I view at testing. Oh. Uh, because b before, I wasn't like um, a fan of that. Mm -hmm. But then you had a show where a guy, uh, one of your friends explained that they do testing by creating accounts like on massive scale mm. and see what happens when there's like 10,000 accounts, uh, or like, you know, those, those kind of things. And that made me change completely the point of view, how to think about testing. Because before it was just, um, you know, if I hit this page, I should get a 200 uh, message from it, right? Yeah. I should get, I don't know, like a, a string or whatever. Where this type of testing that you spoke in the in a previous episode is actually something that was like eye-opening for me. Oh, great. So because of you, I've changed my mind. I got to hear how you, what what made you so bored that you created something in PHP? And that was that your right. first programming experience? Yes, uh, because, well, basically, like, I would say, like, IT is kind of, kind of boring if you, because, like, once you set up everything, like, all your routers or your right. printers or your systems, uh, there is not much left to do. What is, like, what's your line, Richard, about, you know, if you do a good job in IT, you're invisible? Right. Whereas hey, if, if you're great at your job in IT, nobody can tell. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So you turn the servers off when you get lonely and you, the yeah, phone right. starts ringing. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That's how I test my phone system. 
<laughs> if this still works, right? Awesome. So, so you got bored and you just yeah. said, what the heck? I'm going to learn coding so my, and PHP. Before I got bored, I started playing Counter-Strike for like six months <laughs> straight. Uh, let's start. I'm not that great of a person. Uh, but then that actually became... Because we all know Counter-Strike is a gateway drug to PHP. You know that, Pretty right? much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so I decided after that, I said like, well, what I'm doing with my life, let's do something that, you know, uh, I can actually like um, use and, and in, in my work, right? Yeah. Especially I always wanted to learn how to code, but never had like the chance. So this was like the perfect thing. Oh, well. And so, yeah, I just got a book. Uh, because in those days you had to read books to learn uh, how to program, right? What is this book uh, thing you speak of? I've, I don't I've know. Now of. it's like, <laughs> now it's just YouTube videos and that's it pretty much. Yeah. Um, and so I did that. And after a few months, I, I got the hang of it and I started doing some tools, for example, from monitor, checking the network status. <laughs> there you okay. go. Um, so like, you know, if the servers are up, uh, what's the CPU load, the memory mm. load, and uh, which devices are on, are off. Sure. Um, and, you know, all those kind of things. So you got, you found your way to JavaScript and then to Node. And, uh, what did you think of that, um, the tool I brought up in the beginning of the show? Do you use it? Uh, the Ava one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it seems interesting, but since like you, br- uh, you changed my point of view on this, like briefly how f- about testing, mm-hmm. um, I didn't, I've, I've seen it like a few weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. but I didn't go, uh, into it, um, too much, but okay. it's something that I want to for sure, like start doing, um, on a bigger scale. Sure. So we're here to talk about Node.js and specifically getting started and learning Node.js. What uh, what was your path like? Uh, so uh, I've met a friend uh, that was uh, talking a lot about Node.js and how awesome it is. Uh, and so I had a break for four years. I didn't code anything because, like, I was like, you know, doing more about managing stuff than than coding itself. Counter-strike. I was still, yeah. I was still doing some uh, Objective C, Swift things like small apps uh, for myself just to learn something new, mm-hmm. but nothing major. Um, and so I met this friend and he was talking about Node, how awesome it is. And I was asking him, so what's so awesome about it? And it seems that with Node.js, there is a lot of like, nobody can tell why it's actually good. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean. I mean, the uh, speed is measurable and the, yeah, the lack oh, yeah, of ceremony of is a great idea. And the- Yes, that's, that's, that's all true. But I mean, there is so many languages out there that, mm. uh, that you can still use. Like, so I never felt that someone, uh, when I, I, when I asked this, they said, this is why it's awesome. And that's it. Right. Because like speed, of course, but you can use speed if you have like, I don't know, a million users. Right. Then you yeah. see that, that benefit. Right. I see. Uh, but I'm just saying like from point of view, like everyday life, like how node is like will help me. Right. Is it JavaScript that's awesome? Please say no. Please say no. no. So, so normally, like, <laughs> so I knew JavaScript because I was doing front end uh, f- um, uh, for that uh, Facebook company there. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like it wasn't an issue to start, you know, doing JavaScript. Even though like JavaScript is fun because like it's simple, it's clear. Um, mm-hmm. I like it like visually how you how you write uh, code. Yeah. Um, but for me, like it clicked when I discovered that Node.js is a stateful environment mm. instead of stateless. And that basically blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, because, and I think there is not enough like awareness of this, uh, especially like I saw this at the beginning for me, because I, since I learned PHP and basically, you know, you load the, the file, uh, the compiler goes. And then it kills everything, and you, every time you hit refresh, you're loading the same thing, right? Right. right. Uh, of course, you can like uh, after like PHP five something, they introduced like bytecode, mm-hmm. so you were able to do that. But still, still, you didn't have the statefulness. You didn't have access to RAM. To one, of the, one of the great things that we liked about ASP.NET, which turned out later to be an albatross, is the uh, session state. You know, where you do have access to state bags, and um, I guess. 
one of the reasons why .NET developers like Node.js is because you get that state without sacrificing performance. You know, you're not right. you're not sending a lot but, of view state back and forth to the browser. It's all handled on the server. Right, but uh, so this is the thing that I'm still having a hard time, like making sure which languages uh, has this this tastefulness. Because when you search for it, um, it's not still clear. Because my mindset when I started using Node.js, it was like I don't have access to memory. I have just you know it's temporary, right? I hit the site, get the, get the page, and sure. then I have to redo everything. Mm. Um, so I was coding in that style, right? And then I discovered that actually I can have an object in memory can, you know, five megabytes, who cares? And it's there. Mm. It's still there. I can, you know, get access to it um, every single time and I don't have to. So basically you can load a file, keep it in, in, in an array, for example, in an object and it's there for you. Right. Mm. Um, and that's something that blew my mind. And that's why I fell in love with Node.js because actually now, for example, my website, um, I even cache like uh, database requests, right? Yeah. So uh, all the templates that I have are just, you know, an array. Um, all the images are also like in an array that I just display. So I just hitting the database once uh, when the server starts mm-hmm. and it's there. So that was for me like the biggest thing uh, when it comes to Node.js. So how did you teach yourself? Were, was it a combination of websites, just, you know, Google Binging and... Uh, Maybe something Pretty like much. A- yeah. So I since I knew JavaScript, so I knew like more or less what's happening. So I started reading uh, Node.js the documentation, what type of stuff they have, and then examples. Mm-hmm. And of course, the beginning was like, which framework should you use? Right? right. It's like five thousand of them. It's like, ah, sure. oh, come on. Um, so, but I start using like Express.js because it seems to be like the simpler one and has just the things that you actually need. Um, and you can just build on top of that pretty easily. Why did, what did you like about Express? Uh, Express because, uh, it's simple. It has just the basic thing that you just need. Um, so it is not bloated, uh, doesn't have too much things. And then you can uh, extend it using, you know, um, modules from NPM. Um, so that's why for me, that's a good base, uh, to start. Okay. It's un- and, and what are these basic things that you need just sort of getting started with? Right. So, for example, I think because I also started uh, since like, and now I know a little bit more about Node, I wanted to see like, oh, can I, how do I go about creating my own, let's say, framework, right? To make some stuff simpler. Um, and I tried to do um, the routes, the routes, I guess. Um, so, and that stuff is like a little bit, you know, you have to understand how this stuff, everything works. Yeah. And with Express.js, you have the routing at least already made for you. And they have uh, this notion of, um, how do they call it? Uh, middleware, um, which is also like convenient and it's clear, it's simple to understand. And so those two things to me, it's like, oh, it's pretty, it's a good, it's a good start to build a website at least. Yeah. It's just all the bits you really need. Because Node comes with nothing, right? There's no IIS here. You you kind of have to right. turn on everything you need. But pretty much, I would say, like, Node.js, like, it's a tool to do network requests. <laughs> That's it, right? Yeah, right. You have sockets. You have, on top of that, you can actually add an HTTP module. But basically, like, it comes with, like, it's a bare bone. It's like you send, you know, some text over a socket connection and you get the response and that's, enjoy. <laughs> and that's what people like about it because it doesn't have any big, you know, pathways and frameworks to deal with. Right. And especially like with NPM, then you can, and the cool thing that I also like, like with NPM, uh, when you add a new module, it feels like native, right? And that's why when you add stuff, it doesn't look and feel weird. Um, so it, everything works like seamlessly. All right. So, I mean, there's a hello world example here, but it doesn't feel very webby at this point, right? I guess you could stick some HTML tags on that. Right. I mean, what, um, how to say this? Um, so, okay. The, the, the misconception that people think, uh, it's like, if I know how to do, um, front end because I'm doing the JavaScript, right? Right. It doesn't mean that you know how to write a node app. The language right. is the same. 
but the whole idea and concept is like upside down. Um, because like, and also like a cool thing about Node.js is like, if, if you're writing something in JavaScript, it, it works everywhere, right? Doesn't matter if I have a, like a Mac system, a Windows system or a Unix system, right? And you don't have this mess where like you have 15 browsers, 15 different, different implementation of JavaScript and you have to like worry about uh, which version of the browser the user is going to use. If they're using something else, then I have to so to do this and that. And you know, three months later, you want to kill yourself, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Don't do um, it. Don't do <laughs> just it. Say of no. course. Like think about it, breathe in, breathe out, and just <laughs> don't do it. Uh, but yeah, that's also like a very cool thing. Like for example, you guys spoke in two podcasts ago. Um, about the new features of JavaScript, like ES6, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so from my point of view, I'm already, I'm, I'm already using those features because they're built in into Node, and they just works. And I don't have to worry, like, which version of Node do I have to use? There are just two. <laughs> and just, so that's the cool thing. It's that's JavaScript that just works, which is pretty awesome. Nice. IJW technology. Yeah. So do I want to build a web page hosting environment with this, like things that would actually send down web pages is just for like backend calls for getting sets of data and updating rows and things like that? Right. No, you can build a, a whole website out of it because uh, if you add on top of Node.js, the HTT Node.js have a built-in HTTP module anyway. So you can... Just make a regular website and say, like, give me a website to spit out, like, the HTML with CSS and everything. Mm, um, right. So that... What I do, David, is I have the, the core stuff that I need on the page, you know, the, the CSS files, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the stuff that's dynamic, I spit out in, not just in Node, I do this in Web API too, and mm -hmm. heck, you could even do it with a web form. But, you know, you spit out the HTML that you want to... Uh, stuff into a div somewhere and right. it's just easy to it, well it's not i can't say it's easy but it, you know it's a tried and true method what do you mean because like you have like template template a template engine mm. so for example i'm using hogan uh i think and it's nice because like you just write html you just have like tags that replace the data right uh and that's pretty much it. So yep. it's pretty, and also like the Hogan templating have a little bit of, uh, I would say logic that you can do if and else, um, which is also convenient. And, um, yeah, yeah that's sure. why you can build a whole website out of it. That's why I like Node.js because it can be used like in many different ways. Right. So for example, I have the API from my database with simply where it's just an API. I don't, awesome. I don't have the templating. I don't have anything. I just have, um, the request and it works. Yep. Yeah. I'm thinking about, um, a typical situation. If you see, I'm not using frameworks yet. I'm, I'm still plain vanilla. And hmm. you know, my situation is like, if I have to populate a list or something along with that data, I have to, you know, generate the options in the list or the LIs or whatever you want to say. So right. there is some HTML that goes along with data. If you're, if you're not using a framework. Yeah. But right. splitting hairs, it's the same idea. You, you know, some most of the stuff that's static is on the page, and anything that's dynamic comes right out of your service. Right. And especially like with Node and Hogan, you can like uh, spit out to uh, the Hogan part, like an array. And then you just, and the Hogan engine will just go through yeah. that array and spit out all the your like right. the elements that binds uh, it for yeah. you. Uh, very easily. Nice. So it's also like very, um, basically also the, the HTML part is like very clean. Yep. Um, so that's also like a nice feature. And about, for example, learning Node.js, the thing that I think it's broken, um, is how they go about talking about Node.js. Because you say that the example, hello world, right? It's like very basic and there is nothing there. Um, sure. And I think that that's why this does also like a big misconception is, uh, you go there and you see this thing and you go like, well, there is nothing here for me to, to see, right? I don't want to write everything from scratch. And so they don't have like this, 
I think like Node.js, the web page itself, uh, they could explain way better what is Node.js and what can you do with it, um, which I think they're, mis they're missing out there, in my opinion. Because I also had like a very hard time understanding Node.js. That's why I was asking my friend and all the people around me to explain what it is. Yeah. And even those guys had a hard time explaining what can you do with Node.js, right? What do you think if, what do you, if you haven't said it already, what do you think is the most difficult concept or, or thing to get when you're first, uh, learning? Mm. So I would say for sure, like this statefulness, it's like there mm. is no, they don't mention this feature at all anywhere. Like, you have no clue that this thing, how this is how it works. Wow. Uh, so uh, you're I'm for sure that there are a lot of people that are missing out and they, you know, go about Node.js as if they were writing like a Ruby on Ray application or like PHP application yep. uh, without like, uh, so basically, okay. If you ask someone, I want to store it a bit of, uh, of, of data, uh, what should I do? And everybody will tell you like, oh, use Redis, mm -hmm. right? Instead of telling you like, oh, you can actually, you know, have an array in memory and access it whenever you want, right? Hmm. Uh, I never seen a stack overflow or anywhere like that answer. Everything is like Redis or a database. That's right. it. Right. Um, so, um, so that's one thing yeah. that is hard to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing is like, for sure, like, yeah, the beginning, like you, there's no like gallery of examples. What can you do with Node.js? So it's also like you have to spend a little bit of time and switching your mindset, um, what this can actually do for you, right? Well, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Uh, must be that happy time again. Yep. It's time to announce a new Node.js framework for government developers. Uh, what's it called? Any guesses? Uh... David? No idea. Super unsecure system. Federal Express. Ah, oh. no. Save me. <laughs> uh, that wasn't. Cool. No, that what wasn't. What does good. it do? <laughs> <laughs> that was, all right. No, no government jokes. All right. Okay. Uh, it's actually time to give away a music to code by complete collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, Music to Code By is a set of 25-minute Pomodoro-sized, quiet, and groovy instrumentals, scientifically designed to promote focus. Not boring and not distracting, right in the middle. It'll get you into a state of flow and keep you there. .NET Rocks fans are being more productive every day with Music to Code By. See what all the fuss is about and check it out at musictocodeby.net. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Frederick Todalius. Oh, congratulations, Frederick. Yeah. Golf clap for you, sir. And Frederick just won the complete collection. That's 12 tracks, as of this recording anyway. And I'm doing a new track every month, as you know. Oh, wow. Yep. And uh, if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. And every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And now, David, it's your turn. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? Yeah, this is a tough question for me. And I, I don't know if this is a good answer for you, but <laughs> I will actually travel somewhere wow. and work remotely. You're the first person who's ever said that. That's great. Right. I love that. Okay. I'd go I would to choose a Bali if I can, uh, because 5,000 bucks will go for like eight months easy. Absolutely. Get a nice condo on the beach or, a, you know, rent an apartment or something and uh, yeah. just go to town and work remote. Wow. Great idea. You'd have to find that right combination of remoteness and bandwidth, which can be challenging. Yeah, Bali's not a good place for bandwidth for sure. That's <laughs> <laughs> the worst place. It's like you get one megabyte if it works and that's it. Maybe if you wrote a book or something, that would be good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just go to write. But unless you have to do research, then you also do. Yeah, that's true. But willingly go offline? You're just talking crazy talk <laughs> now. <laughs> Pretty much. That's crazy. Australia, talk. like uh, going someplace where else, like a little bit cheaper to live and just uh, live, work remotely. I think that for me at least would be like something that's awesome. 
Well, I know. Well, I know from experience because one of our editors spent a lot of time in Costa Rica that Mm. there are coffee shops there where you can go to do to get online and get your work done. (laughs) Many of the shows that you've heard of the last couple of years have been edited in a coffee shop in Costa Rica by Brandon. (laughs) Awesome. That's great. (laughs) You should put like at the end of the episode, like a little bit of background noise from those places. There you go. That's not a bad idea. A little jungle noise. I, I want to jump back into this a bit, uh, having scaled a lot of websites. It's like, you know, the reason we use Redis and, and databases and things like that to store stuff is that we end up with multiple web servers. So, mm-hmm. you know, that becomes a problem pretty quickly. As soon as you have more than one web server, you need you, storing stuff in the web server, you know, may not be there right. when you go, when you come back. All right. So, uh, so of course, like, especially like with the Node.js, you can, uh, you have, one process but multiple threads we can have multiple threads right um and of course if you say you're using your own memory then you have two threads then they don't can they can talk to each other right Uh, Right. you don't have access to that um so of course a database in that case is the way to go Mm -hmm. but for example like my database my api for the database so i have like um some analytics so I can see like how many PDFs I, I've been generating in one minute. And I have some stats, right, of my uh, infrastructure. And so, for example, I use my database API um, where all the websites are uh, pinging that the one uh, endpoint, sending, you know, uh, how much memory, how much request it's, uh, it's happening. And that stuff is stored in memory in an object. Right. I'm not saving this to the database itself. So because this type of data, I don't care if it get is, is going to be lost. Right. Uh, this is something right. I can want to check. Is all my stuff online? They are. Uh, and that's it. Right. So you can still use this like, uh, functionality of Node.js and you don't have to go straight to Redis or you don't have to go straight to Postgres, right? Mm-hmm. Or a, right. a regular database. Yeah. Um, so for yeah. example, I'd, I have like a table that is like all my settings. So it's the price and my email, and my admin and whatever. Some bunch of, you know, little, little, little things. Data. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, in that case, for example, like when I ask, uh, my database API, Hey, what's the price? I am getting that from memory. But if from my CMS, I change the price, I ping my database with the new price, I save it still in memory, but once that array is created, it's, it's going to be saved in the database itself, right? So yeah. then when you load the website from scratch, you still have the new price, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a cool mix uh, of using this statefulness because then the stuff is super fast because it's, you're getting stuff from memory itself, right? Right. Uh, where I think then the next step would be like Redis because Redis have like some cool features that uh, might help you, right? Um, so that's, of course, that's a good option. But I think in, mo- in a lot of cases, uh, Redis or any other database should not be like your, like, priority because like last time i'm hosting a heroku my website right and they told me like a month ago like oh we're going Mm -hmm. to um, kill your redis database because we are having an issue with our servers right and i'm like okay fine and so so i have two databases right now and i have to worry about those databases what happened when something goes wrong right? right Uh, and I've, and that's why I'm still using Redis because I, st- uh, I choose that because I didn't know that Node.js is state, stateful. Uh, because like when I ask online, everybody said Redis, Redis, Redis. And, and now I'm going to switch and remove it to just use, uh, um, the built in memory and use my, uh, database API to have like the one point, uh, where all my services can talk to, right? Um, so for me, I'm still using the statefulness of Node.js, but I'm accessing this memory from one point, which is the database. And so I can have as many threads I, can, I, I want. I can save that, that, that data there. Make sense? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, 
it, it seems that you're, right. you walk that line between functionality and scalability, and that's really important to you. How, how many, yeah. how many sessions are, uh, you know, how, how far have you, have you gone? Like how many clients, how many concurrent connections and all that stuff? Have you measured the performance? Right. So right now I can handle 200 and around 250, uh, like, like PDFs a minute. Right? PDFs. So, so you're serving files. Okay. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, so how many requests I can handle is like, uh, is, uh, it, um, so, I set my server in a way that I cannot handle more requests than I can make PDFs, right? So there is like a fine balance there. So I don't get like, you know, a billion PDFs in one go and I'm like three months later still making PDFs, right? Um, so if you reach uh, the limit, you will get a message through the API that says like, wait a second, uh, because we have to catch up, right? So it's hard yeah. to tell. Uh, because like also like the main uh, website is just a static page. So there is nothing fancy going on there. Um, but you also, uh, you said, you also said that it's very important to me, this like, um, speed and efficiency. Yeah. And it came from me because I was doing, uh, was working with Android and I was working with Android 2.3 where you had six, 16 megs for your app. And so that's the, place where I learn about memory management and I learned that memory is it's finite. It's yeah. not, you know, sure. Uh, it's, there is a limit how, how much memory you can use. And, um, and so, and also how to take advantage of memory. And that's why I'll, I stop also like coding after working with node, uh, sorry, with, uh, with Android. Mm hmm because I didn't like how websites are being built that you are, they're all stateless and you don't have access to, you know, a gigabytes of, of RAM in the, in the server that is just being waste. Right. And, and you cannot use it. Um, and so I was a little bit disappointed and that's why I became super excited when I find out about this yeah. Node.js feature that just blew my mind. So here's, here's the question. Yeah. Where do you host Node in Azure or? AWS uh, or I'm using Heroku. So oh, yeah, I guess yeah. I'm using right, yeah, so I'm guess I'm using w AWS. Mm -hmm. Um and so yeah, Heroku is is, is fine. It they work works perfectly. Yeah. Uh the one thing uh the worth noting, um they will tell you that since you can have multiple threads, they will tell you in the documentation like you have you should have like one thread per core right. of the CPU, right? Which is yeah, no, kind of stretching it. I think you can so have too. more. Yeah, you can have more more threads than than cores. And for example, I have um, uh, when I'm making uh, the section that makes PDFs has uh, on average four threads, so I can do four PDFs at the same time. Yeah. Uh, if I do more, then the system is going to start uh, using the swap a lot. Yeah. Right. Uh, which makes everything slower. So I found a good balance that. Uh, with 512 megabytes of RAM, four processes, four threads for me are perfectly fine because I'm barely touching the, the swap file. Good. Um, and but that's your so gauge, you right? Is you're watching how often does it go to swap file? Yeah. So the Heroku has like a nice graph and it would tell you like, um, how much memory you're using and how much swap are you using, right? right. And so I found this, this, this balance that for me, like four threads, uh, with this configuration. So if when I want to have uh, eight threads, I will just, if I double, like, um, if I create a new instance on Heroku, then I will get eight threads, right? So every time I, I add a new server or like what they call them, uh, then it's not servers. They call them something else. Anyway, you can like, right. They are, yeah, right. Right. Um, so that's how it works. And that's why that you, I mean, of course, yeah. It, ideally, you want to have like one thread per core, but if you do something very intensive for a long time, uh, if you do stuff in memory anyway, um, you can have a little bit more threads so you can mm -hmm. take advantage of the full system. So don't listen to the documentation of Heroku. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But I also appreciate that, you know, I mean, Heroku has been around for a long time and I've always wondered if we should do a show on it because it's not particularly .NET friendly. But from a from a right. Node.js perspective, it makes perfect sense. But Dynos, they're containers. Like this is the whole you know, conversation we're having around Docker and right. and mm. Mesos and so forth. 
Heroku has been doing this for a long time. You don't really own a VM or anything like that. You're just running dynos and you yeah. run as many as you need. Basically, they're using a AWS uh, and I think they're just using all the features that Amazon is giving them. So, for example, if you pay seven bucks a month to have a server uh, up all the time, you're actually sharing that server with someone else. Of course, you have your own container, but I, re- I realized this because like I was, depending on the day, I was, uh, it was taking like one second to make a PDF. And then another day of uh, another, another time of the day, it was doing it 500 milliseconds. And I was right. like, what's happening here? Right. So I dropped them a line. It's like, what's up? It's like, Oh, because you're actually sharing. If you want to have your own machine, pay us $2,000. It's like, no, no, I'll keep my thing. <laughs> so it's like, it's a bit too much for now. Um, yeah. You know, the, and it's an interesting aspect of the sort of shared environment or the cloud environment is can you, do you have consistent service? You know, they, right. I've, I've even heard now that the public cloud providers are going to start selling like unutilized resources. So you could say, right. hey, I want to do this compute, but I'll do it in low priority. So your compute speed would vary if they're busier. But if they're not, then you pay less for fast compute. Exactly. And so f- uh, that's, that's the same thing that the guy said to me. It's like, if you don't, if you, if you need a, an app that, you know, you need to know that every time you're going to do that PDF in 200 milliseconds, uh, you have to pay, you have to get your own server, right? Right. Uh, but if you don't care about that, then, you know, you pay five, seven bucks and off you go. Well, and, and Heroku's done a good job of getting you in cheaply. I mean, there is a free product, although it obviously has significant limits. But uh, so the free, the only limit that they have, it's actually, uh, you can have your app on, I think for six hours a day or 12 hours. I don't it's remember. 18, it can be on for 18 hours a day. It must sleep for at least six hours right. and it auto sleeps after 30 minutes of no activity. Exactly. And so I think it's, it's fine. Uh, for example, uh, my mother have like a simple website, uh, for whatever business she's doing and she has the free one because like she doesn't have much traffic. And so right. I just spin it then uh, spin it there and you know it goes to sleep it takes like sometimes three seconds four seconds to like be responsive but you know, it's back up just again. fine yeah yeah there's nothing wrong with that so but right. I, I do like their slow entry point but it is a very different style of environment for folks coming from the dot net world that just you know dot net's not a priority here we're not thinking that way this is a different stack Right. I wonder if that's going to change because they also added, they have also support for Java. Yeah. Uh, I tried to do Java for five days. I said, no way. Like Java as a website. <laughs> was it not like, for you? No. Like even, Get me even, out of here. What? Get me out of here. <laughs> exactly. So like even uh, when you have like the HTML that you want to display at the top, at the beginning, you have to say what types are you going to use in the HTML itself? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, that's too much. Like, please, like, no more types. Um, I think, like, types are fine with Android, but in a web environment, it's just too slow. I mean, too slow to code, not the, yeah. the, the efficiency of, of, the, of, the, of the site, of the engine itself. So when you're picking up your Node app and you want to put it up in Heroku, like, is there any particular packaging approach? How do you do that? Oh, actually, that that's pretty cool because uh, they have the. I think they have three options. So you can, uh, if you create like a Git, um, you start uh, Git. Uh, what would have you say that like Git thingy there uh, with your code, right? Mm-hmm. You can put the address of Heroku um, in the configuration of your Git, and so you can, when you push, you can actually go straight to Heroku uh, with nice. your code, or you can link a GitHub account. And so every time you push something to GitHub, uh, you tell them to check whichever branch you want to be checked. And every time there's something new, they get it and, and spin it for you. Nice. And the third option is like Dropbox, which is a little bit extreme, I can only say. Uh, so I don't know how that option works, if it's good or not, but they have it. So it's pretty easy to. Well, it's hard. It's hard to be unhappy with the GitHub solution. That's a pretty simple way to go. Yeah, that's for me, it's not the perfect one because like I have like my master branch and I'm working on my staging and some other branches. And, you know, every time I merge the, to the master one after five seconds, you know, Heroku picks up the change and start doing it magic. 
Nice. Um, what about stuff like uh, uh, HTTPS, TLS, like actually secure uh, sites with Node? So it's pretty, uh, when it comes to Heroku, it's a little bit different because I, from what I understand, every provider have a different approach to this. Uh, Heroku mm-hmm. have this thing that um, before, so when you go to my website, before you reach my server, actually you have to go through their, what they call it, some sort of like load balancing thing right mm-hmm. um and so you connect to them over a secure connection and then internally they still speaks with an an, an encrypted connection to your site and so from the outside world it seems that the connection is secure which is but internally it's going over a non secure connection right uh, and so you don't have to actually change a single line of code in your app, right? So you have to only go to a, uh, to the um, uh, admin panel of your Heroku account and select an add-on, which is SSL. You pay, right. you push your certificate, and that's it, and it works. Uh, it if you want rest. to do it yourself, like natively, then the only thing that you have to do is like to, um, when you start your uh, Node app, let me see security client no server. Uh, you you have you create your server which is a function and you have you can pass options and there are two options that you can do to have to pass. It's like the key and the certificate, and so you just do that. You just load two files uh, two files from uh, from the hard drive um, in a object. You pass this this object uh, to the method, and the connection is secure. Interesting. Yeah, it's and, pretty and, and it's interesting to realize just you know you you wouldn't have if you go through Heroku, you don't have to code for this per se. Exactly. You yeah. Can, so you can do it yourself. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, because like um, Node itself has uh, HTTP the HTTP let's say protocol and also they have yeah. like the HTTPS. So you will have to switch from the HTTP to HTTPS. Right. Okay. And also pass the key. Right. Um, so with, uh, with Heroku, you keep the HTTP, you just configure your environment to let know that Heroku, Hey, this is my key, make it work. And they will yeah. do it. Oh, that's good. Oh, and that's why Alan's another important thing. Sorry, sorry to, to interrupt you. Uh, if you would like to switch to HTTP uh, 2.0, the newer version, right? Mm. You can't do it on Heroku yet. Even though with Node.js, you can just change the module and basically you have HTTP 2. Hmm. Nice. Right? Uh, because like they have this like, uh, this layer on top of you that is, so you, you're not, you're never, you never talk directly to the server of, uh, what's inside, uh, Heroku. So it's always something else on top of it. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. What about um, debugging? I mean, not that we ever have bugs in JavaScript code. That's never. Just crazy <laughs> no, of course not. Never, never, never. Never had one. Yeah. Uh, so, so I am actually like a little bit old school guy. Um, there are like lint. Like, for example, I'm using Atom uh, to uh, as my editor. Okay. And so right. you can have like modules there that we like check uh, what you're writing but mm-hmm. i find that super slow um especially in my, my computer um so i just you know write code uh and so node um there's a nice module for node uh where you can uh it calls uh node mon it just checks if something changed if it changed a file then it will restart the server uh with the change uh and so i just check did it crash yes no if yes where okay let me fix it um so i always try since like i have enough experience now with coding i'm doing it for like eight years now um Mm -hmm. it's not that bad um so i don't have super huge issues uh when it comes comes to that Mm -hmm. so that's why i'm not a lint fan because since it's not built in in my ide and it's not efficient it actually makes me go way way slower well, uh, what's next for you, David? What's on your What's in your inbox? Hmm. Next, oh, actually, uh, I'm starting playing with uh, the raw sockets with Node.js and the Particle. 
Okay. Do you know particle? Have you heard of it? No. Uh, so oh, particles, particle JS, yes. No, no, no. Pa- this is something like that. No, Jesus, something else then. Everything is JS now. Right, okay. Uh, no, particles like a piece of electron Arduino on our Arduino board with electronic oh, Arduino okay. board. Um, okay. But has Wi-Fi built in. And so I'm playing uh, with the sockets on Node.js and this uh, piece of electronics to send, you know, uh, packets using uh, sockets. So it's TCP or UDP. And I'm playing around with that stuff right now. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the the graphics thing for doing particles, which is really cool. No, no, no. Particle like within like, oh, sorry, particle.io, for example. There you go. That's the website. All right. So they were playing uh, with the photon, which I think is awesome. Like now we're getting down to computers the size of your thumbnail. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So I'm doing that because like I wanted to uh, understand better how sockets works. Uh, and especially uh, people always say like, never use sockets because sockets are reason. That doesn't make much sense. Um, which fun fact, of course, HTTP works on top of sockets, right? So HTTP mm, is just a protocol, right? Um, and so people will tell you like, oh, it's used a lot of memory, keeps the connection open and all those things. And well, I can always close the connection. So I don't know what's the issue here. Um, and so I'm playing with that stuff to just get to know how sockets works. Exactly. Great. Well, David, it's been great. Thank you for spending the time with us. Thank you guys for having me. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a